Hi, need a ride? Hop on in. I'm headed to Julia's Trucking Cafe. Come on, let's go. We made it just in time. Come on, let's go get a seat. Hey everybody, welcome to Julia's Truckin' Cafe. How's everybody doing? Everybody have a seat? Y'all looking good. How about everybody get something to drink? Hey, I brought snacks this week. There you go. So just sit back and enjoy the show. I have lots of news to get to, so let's get right to it. Trucking company to pay $26 million for a fatal road rage cat and mouse crash. And that's trucking companies plural. A group of truckers were racing, brake checking, cutting one another off, refusing to let one another pass, blowing their horns and making rude and aggressive hand gestures just before the fatal head-on crash, the court documents say. A federal jury in Oregon has ordered two trucking companies to pay out tens of millions of dollars for their role in a road rage crash that cost a motorist her life. On May 10th, a jury that ruled two trucking companies, Utah-based Smoot Brothers and Indiana-based Horizon Transport, were to pay out $26.5 million for engaging in nearly 100-mile road rage incident that led to this fatal crash. Matthew and Sarah Allison were driving down Highway 20 back in 2016 when they were hit head-on by a semi. Sarah was killed and Matthew has lifelong injuries. Attorneys say it was a result of road rage by multiple truckers. So this really makes us look good out here, doesn't it, Joe? Wouldn't you agree? This really makes us look good. The crash occurred in June 2016 near Burns, Oregon. The lawsuit argues that four commercial vehicle drivers were involved in a road rage battle on Highway 20 that lasted for approximately 90 miles as the drivers crossed from Idaho into Oregon. The dr drivers were racing, brake checking, cutting one another off, refusing to let one another pass, blowing their horns, and making rude and aggressive hand gestures, probably flipping each other the bird, according to the lawsuit. According to the complaint, Smook Brothers driver James DeCow and Peter Barnes were each driving a semi-truck on Highway 20 during the incident, while driver Jonathan Hogaboom was transporting an RV for Horizon Transport. A fourth truck driver, Corey Frew, was dropped from the lawsuit after providing an eyewitness account. 
court documents detail the road rage, quote, cat and mouse, quote, chase that the truck drivers engaged in. Quote, at approximately 8.45 p.m., four commercial truck drivers traveling westbound on Highway 20 near Burns, Oregon. Barnes was the lead truck. Behind Barnes was the motorhome driven by Hogaboom. The truck driven by DeKau was immediately behind Hogaboom, and the truck driver by Fru was in the rear. This stretch of highway has only one lane of travel in each direction, in other words, a two-lane road, separated by double yellow lines, meaning no passing zones, people. Barnes communicated back to DeKau and Fru that it was safe to pass Hogaboom, despite the fact that they knew DeKau was driving in a no-passing zone with double yellow lines. DeKau crossed the double yellow lines and attempted to pass Hogaboom. Hogaboom blew his horn at DeKau and accelerated, then decelerated, thereby preventing DeKau's truck from passing or returning to the safe lane of travel. When DeKau slowed down and tried to return to the safe lane of travel, Hogaboom then slowed his RV to again prevent DeKau from returning to the safe lane of travel, meaning getting back in behind him. Hogaboom actively prevented DeKau from returning to the westbound lane by accelerating, so speeding up and then slowing down, and speeding up and then slowing down to match DeKau's actions. 30-year-old motorist Sarah Allison saw DeKau's truck and the RV speeding directly at them, blocking both lanes of travel. In an effort to avoid the head-on crash, Sarah Allison veered right to the south shoulder of the highway. DeKau was prevented from returning to his legal lane by Hogaboom. DeKau swerved off the highway, veering left to the south side of the highway. DeKau's truck crashed head-on into the plaintiff's car, killing Sarah Allison and seriously injuring Matthew Allison. Oregon News reports that Smoot Enterprises fired the three drivers and has admitted fault. Horizon Transport reportedly denied any wrongdoing in the crash and says that Hogaboom is currently driving for swift transportation. <laughs> this episode of Julius Truck and Cafe is brought to you by My Patriot Supply. As truck drivers, we all know what it's like to be at a shipper's or a receiver's or in this bad weather and have to wait to be loaded for hours on end. Am I right? I mean, you, we've all been there one time or another, haven't we? You I mean, you get really hungry and you're waiting 10, 15, 12 hours, you know, to get loaded or unloaded. There's no restaurant. You're in the middle of a dirt parking lot someplace and there's you don't have nothing to eat. So, and especially it happens at the produce coolers or the paper mills. So we have a new sponsor, My Patriot Supply. Now, it's not what you may be thinking. My Patriot Supply is emergency food, and they also have survival gear. They have food kits that are good up to 25 years. They come in a slimline tote that you can easily store in your food pantry or in your side box. Now, I can speak from experience. Living through Hurricane Katrina in my mobile home, we were without power for 10 days, my mother, my son, and I. And if it weren't for the MREs that were flown into us via helicopter, we wouldn't have had any food. I had four 60-foot pine trees broken half during that storm and landed across my driveway, and they landlocked me in. 
So I couldn't get out to get food. And at that time, there was four mile gas lines. I knew, if I knew then what I know now about my Patriot Supply, I would have definitely saved up some money and had that stockpiled in my food pantry. Now, for a limited time, you could get a one-week food supply kit in a handy and neat-looking ammo can for just $39. And guess what? They even have gluten-free food for just under $100. So go to my website at juliastruckatcafe.com and click on the emergency food supply tab. You scroll down, you click on any of the images, and it'll take you right to the store to where you can purchase it. To find out more and to find out for more information, stay prepared for anything that happens. In other news, a trooper sideswipes a truck driver but cites him anyway. After collision with a Utah trooper that resulted in a citation, Trucking Company has released dash cam video of the crash in hopes of telling their side of the story. The crash occurred on Friday, May 17th on I-15 in Utah. According to the report, package runner transport truck driver Roland Terry was traveling on the interstate when he came across a trooper um, conducting a slowdown maneuver. Excuse me, a law enforcement technique designed to slow down traffic by having a police cruiser with lights activated zigzag across the lane of the roadway. While the trooper was conducting this maneuver, a red car tried to pass the trooper on the right, causing confusion as the trooper tried to maneuver to block the vehicle. Seconds later, the trooper swerved back into Terry's lane and struck his truck. A third vehicle then collided with Terry's truck. Terry was cited for failure to yield to an emergency vehicle. The Utah Highway Patrol maintained that Terry was at fault even after seeing his dash cam video. Sergeant Nick Street said he didn't stay back to 500 feet. The trooper had made it clear his intentions to slow down the entire interstate for a course of over one mile that the slowdown was going. Package Runner says that after seeing the dash cam, they stand by Terry. Terry is still employed by the company. Terry stated, I want them to know the whole truth, that it was not my fault. Yeah, that's real brilliant on the U Utah Highway Patrol to do a slow down, zigzagging in and out of traffic. And, you know, I'm sorry, but this is my show and I'm opinionated. And I think that the trooper was being an idiot. You know, you're going to do crap like that and nobody understands what the heck you're trying to do. Well, guess what? Your ass is going to get hit. You're lucky I wasn't there for crying out loud. This is bullshit. In other news, FMCSA asked for comment on plan to fast track the driverless trucks. Federal agencies want to know which regulations need to be, quote, amended revised or eliminated, end quote, so that they can safely deploy self-driving trucks on American highways. Don't do it, period. This week, federal agencies have announced plans to remove, quote, unnecessary regulatory barriers, end quote, that would slow down the deployment of driverless truck technology. On Wednesday, May 22nd, the FMCSA and the National Highway Safety Administration filed advance notices of proposed rulemaking on, quote, on the removal of unnecessary regulatory barriers to the safe introduction of automated driving systems. Excuse me. 
ADS vehicles in the U.S. End quote. Both the FMCSA and the NHTSA have asked the public for comment on how they should move forward with regulating automatic driving technology. The FMCSA has asked for comments on which the FMCSA regulations may need to be amended, revised, or eliminated to facilitate the safe introduction of automated driving systems equipped motor, commercial motor vehicles onto our nation's roadways. In approaching the task of adapting its regulations to accommodate automated vehicle technologies, FMCSA is considering changing changes to its rules to account for significant differences between human operators and the ADS, or Automated Driving Systems. Quote, FMCSA is hoping to receive feedback from commercial motor vehicle stakeholders and the motoring public on how the agency should adapt its regulations for the development of increased automated driving systems in large trucks and buses. We know that while many of these technologies are still in development, it is critical that we carefully examine how to make federal rules keep up with this advancing technology, end quote said Raymond P. Rodriguez, FMCSA Administrator. To learn more, you could click here in to provide your comments in this article that will be in the show notes. Also, NHTSA is seeking comment on how they could go about, quote, identifying and addressing regulatory barriers to the deployment of ADS vehicles posed by certain existing FMCSA Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standards, FMVSS. The agency is also interested in hearing from the public on various approaches that could be used to measure compliance with the FMVSS for vehicles without conventional controls, including steering wheels and brake pedals. Public comments received during this stage will help inform NHTSA's path forward, end quote. There again, for more information, there is a link in this article toward the bottom on how to provide your comments. Both agencies will accept comments on the proposed rulemaking for 60 days, two months, following formal publication to the Federal Register. That's up in D.C. Now, uh, with all this flooding that's going on, and I'm not 100% sure if how many of you travel up and down Interstate 29, but I did on my way out to Wyoming on, and on my way back, and it is pretty bad. I mean, don't be surprised if food goes up and this kind of thing. And I'll be talking about that toward, more toward the end of the show. But uh, in this next article, two major bridges closed for this flooding. And this is uh, over in Arkansas. So the Arkansas transportation officials have shut down two bridges due to severe flooding in that area. The I-540 bridge over the Arkansas River in Fort Smith and US-71B, the Midland Bridge, have been closed until further notice. Transportation officials say that the bridges, they're structurally sound, but that the flooded bridges, the approaches, the on-ramps and the off-ramps, have necessitated the closure. And you can see a photo of these how bad the flooding is in that area along with Missouri and Iowa there's been a hellacious amount of flooding and speaking of flooding uh, fe the feds suspend regulations for flood relief truck drivers in 16 states the FMCSA 
has suspended numerous safety regulations in multiple states for truck drivers providing only providing relief supplies to flood and other natural disaster victims. Doesn't mean everybody, guys. Don't get all carried away. It's only for people providing relief supplies. On May 23rd, the FMCSA announced that they will be extending emergency declarations in 16 states for truck drivers who, quote, are providing direct assistance supporting emergency relief efforts, end quote. The emergency declaration grants drivers emergency relief from parts 390 to 399 of the Title 49 CFR, which includes hours of service regulations. The emergency declaration is valid through July 2, 2019. The FMCSA said that the emergency declaration was brought on by flooding and extreme weather in the Great Plains and the Midwest. The emergency declaration was enacted for the following states. Listen carefully. Arkansas, Illinois, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Minnesota, Mississippi, Missouri, Nebraska, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, West Virginia, and Wisconsin. The emergency declaration does not exempt drivers from complying with CDL, drug or alcohol, hazardous materials, or state federal registration and tax requirements. For more information, there is a link in the bottom of this article that it will be in the show notes under cafe menu and you click on show notes and it will be links to this episode on the 16 state emergency declaration. Now in some kind of odd news a truck driver dies in police custody after bizarre truck stop rampage. Alabama police are investigating the death of a semi-truck driver who passed away following a strange series of incidents at several locations near a Flying J truck stop. This incident happened around 5.30 at night on Sunday, May 26th in Dothan, Alabama. Police were called to the Flying J Travel Plaza after a report of a truck driver who would later be identified as 32-year-old Terrell Osborne of Mississippi, he engaged in approximately a whole 14 minutes of bizarre behavior before the officers arrived. Quote, he did cover a lot of ground in a short amount of time, said Dothan Police Chief Steve Parrish. Police say that Osborne parked his truck at Ollie's, then ran across the street to Popeye's Chicken, then ran back to Ollie's, where employees say that he was running around wildly and kicking at shopping carts. After leaving Ollie's, Osborne reportedly called 911 to report that he was being followed by an individual. Ooh. After calling 911, Osborne ran into the Flying J building and went inside the Denny's restaurant. There he said they have run into the kitchen, throwing items and screaming. Yeah, you could probably because he didn't get his food to him on time. <laughs> when an officer arrived on the scene and made contact with Osborne, in other words, he confronted Osborne, he became combative. After wrestling Osborne into handcuffs, the officer noticed that he was breathing shallowly and then administered Narcan, a medication to treat drug overdose victims. Osborne was transported to the hospital where he was pronounced dead. Investigators say that he found a white powdery substance in Osborne's truck that tested positive for cocaine. 
An autopsy has been scheduled and the incident remains under investigation. Betcha that officer ain't going to be doing that again. What you think? So and so, uh, as everybody knows, the weather has been pretty freaky lately. And some of this freaky weather has been tornadoes. Two semis were toppled at an Ohio truck stop as tornadoes tore through the state. Now, this just happened Sunday over the weekend. Severe weather struck an Ohio truck stop the other night, causing chaos and flipping multiple semi-trucks. Authorities say that several tornadoes passed through central Ohio on Monday night. During the storm, gusting winds struck the Love's truck stop off of Route 23 in Circleville, Ohio, and caused at least two semis to blow over. The National Weather Service did confirm that a tornado occurred just south of Circleville that night. There had been no report of serious injuries to anyone at the truck stop at that time. And there again, you can see the destruction left behind by the tornado. At least five tornadoes occurred in the state of Ohio Monday night, killing an 81-year-old man in the town of Salina, and destroying dozens of homes and businesses. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine has declared a state of emergency for Green, Mercer, and Montgomery counties. And another tornado hit in Missouri. And this guy, driver, didn't heed the tornado warnings. A semi-truck driver is lucky to be alive after a violent and deadly tornado reportedly blew part of a house underneath his trailer in Missouri. Late on Wednesday, May 22nd, truck driver David Bell was hauling a load of 44,500 pounds of soda cans on Highway 54 in Jefferson City, Missouri. Now, I'd have to look that up. I, I go through Jefferson City all the time. I just can't place where Highway 54 is. So if anybody can place where Highway 54 is, please leave a comment below this episode. Either on my website, you can leave a comment. That's fine. Or on Facebook. When he saw an unexpected weather alert on his phone. With nowhere to shelter, Bell pulled off on the shoulder of the highway and braced himself as he was hit head-on by a tornado, quote-unquote. Quote, I don't even know how to explain it. I was watched a bunch of transformers blown, houses next to me completely obliterated, a house halfway underneath my trailer, quote, Bell said. The tornado, quote, exploded Bell's windshield, and then he said it, it quote, picked me up and slammed me down like it w I was nothing but a soda can, end quote. After the tornado had finished with the semi-truck, Bell was forced to use a pocket knife to cut himself out of his seatbelt. Luckily, he had one. He escaped from the truck through the broken windshield with only a few cuts and bruises, as well as a great feeling of gratitude to have survived. It, quote, it definitely gave me a new outlook on life. Very grateful that I'm alive. Eh, I should have been smarter and heeded the warnings. I'm just glad God was with me tonight, quote, Bell said. The tornado outbreak claimed at least the lives of uh, three people in Missouri. If, you know, they're not, those tornado warnings are not really coming just boom like that. They're, they're constantly, they're, um, what am I trying to say? I'm sorry. Um, having a, a senior moment here for a minute. They always have tornado watches. They always say weather alerts. They always say the weather is ripe for tornadoes, especially if you're in that area. With all the severe thunderstorms and everything, it's called trip planning. Apparently, he didn't trip plan very well. 
I'm sitting here at the lovely Effingham, Illinois, Petro, in the parking lot, doing this show this week. And I got thunderheads over my head right now. Um, and it's kind of doesn't know if it's going to rain or not a rain or what. But I'm sitting my tail still until it figures it out. Plus, I'm on a 10-hour break. So, you know, it just, you have to trip plan, people. That's always check the weather. I've been running into some newbie drivers here and stuff, and you always have to check the weather. In other news, a DA wants a GPS tracking device on Mr. Aguilera's back in the news. Um, on Mr. Aguilera because of they're afraid that he may flee. Now we're getting a lot of comments on social media about him, you know, possibly fleeing. So in this article, the DA's office says that they made the request for the tracking device because, quote, the investigation revealed that the defendant attempted to flee the scene of the collision. This was previously unknown at the time of the original bond setting, end quote. Colorado prosecutors have asked the judge for a GPS tracking to be placed on Mr. Aguilera, who walked out of jail, as we know, with a $400,000 bond after allegedly causing a massive pileup crash that killed four people last month. On May, Monday, May 20th, the prosecutors with the Jefferson County DA's office filed a motion to place a GPS tracking device on Mr. Aguilera, who bonded out of jail the previous weekend. He was able to afford bond to bond out because of donations made on online fundraising, according to his family. The DA's office says that the request came after investigators learned that Mr. Aguilera attempted to flee the scene of the crash. Prosecutors also point out that Aguilera is facing the possibility of a significant prison sentence and that he has no ties in Colorado. Aguilera has been ordered not to leave the state of Colorado, but the Denver Fox News Channel reports that it is unclear where he's staying since his family lives in Texas and Florida. The judge has yet, not yet responded to the prosecution's request for GPS tracking. Aguilera is also asked to surrender his passport as part of his bond, but his lawyer said that the passport was destroyed in the fiery crash on I-70. He, as we all know, he is facing 36 different counts, felony counts and four misdemeanor charges for his role in the April 25th crash on I-70 in Lakewood, Colorado, where four people sadly died. Now, along with that story, the ice, the, his lawyer says there's no chance of him fleeing from justice. Uh, Mr. Aguilera posted a $400,000 bond on Saturday night. The previous Saturday, many on social media assumed the 23-year-old might skip town to avoid a trial for the Interstate 70 crash, in which, like I just got done saying, four people passed away. The Jefferson County DA's office was apparently concerned enough that it filed a motion Monday afternoon asking the judge to modify bond conditions so that the Cuban national living legally in the U.S. would have to wear a GPS ankle monitor to track his whereabouts. However... Fox 31 was able to track Aguilera Tuesday afternoon to the law office of his defense attorney, Rob Corey. Mr. Corey says, I know him. I know he's a good person. I know he's not going to flee. 
Corey allowed the problem solvers of this Denver Fox News station to film his client and members of this defense team looking at a map of Metro Denver. They traced the path where Aguilera's semi-truck went from the mountains into the city before the 28 vehicle crashed near I-70 Denver West exit in Lakewood. Aguilera was ordered by a judge to surrender his passport if he posted bail and not to leave the state of Colorado, as we all know. His lawyer says the client's passport was in his truck and burned up in the fire, but insists his com client is complying with all of the judge's bond conditions. Quote, he is here in Colorado. He is diligently spending every minute of every day working with us on preparing his defense. End quote. <clears throat> I doubt that. Who said, despite no family ties to Colorado, his client has no intentions of avoiding a high-profile trial. Quote, there is no chance of him fleeing from justice. He is committed to seeing this through, one way or the other. End quote. A judge has set a hearing for this week, May 31st, to hear the DA's motion to make Aguilera wear a GPS tracking device. Corey, his lawyer, says... Oh, it's not necessary, as his client isn't going anywhere and adds a GPS bracelet would do little to ensure future court appearances. That may be true, but still, it's a hell of a good deterrent. So, records show that the company involved in this Lakewood crash that Mr. Aguilera was driving for had brake issues to different trailers in the past. The company that owns a semi-trailer involved in this fiery pileup that killed four people in Lakewood had two trucks taken out of service for brake-related issues in the past year, including one about two months before the crash. Federal records say March 6th inspection in Texas found that one of the five trucks owned by this Houston-based Castellano 03 trucking did not have adequate brake tubing or hoses, a violation that requires the truck to be pulled off the road and fixed. In August previous year, another Castellano truck was taken out of service for chafing or kinking of a brake hose or tubing, according to the FMCSA. Investigators have not released the license number of the semi-trailer in the Colorado crash, so it's not yet known if it's been pulled from out of service. Uh, dr the driver, there again, they're talking about Aguilera, told investigators that the brakes failed. And then, of course, no one answered phone calls when these Fox News tried to get a hold of the trucking company. The records show that the company has a total of 30 vehicle and driver violations resulting from 19 inspections over a two-year period for which records are available. That's a lot of inspections. Over two years, I've gone three and four and five years without getting inspected at all. So 19 in two years, that's a lot, I think. There again, my personal opinion. Other brake-related problems involve three violations, each for having an out-of-adjustment clamp or rotor-type brake or having an automatic air brake adjustment system that fails to compensate for wear. However, the two violations uh, involving brake tubing and hoses were only ones that require trucks to be temporarily taken out of service. The company's out-of-service rate was just above the national average of 20.7%. Other violations note, noted in these records included a damaged securement system for loads and insufficient tire tread, which means ball tires. Because we all know, or if you don't know and you're new to the show, it's 4.30 seconds when you have to change a tire and they'll put you out of service. So if it's below that, 
insufficient tire tread, that means it was below 430 seconds, which is dang near bald. Problems with drivers involved not stopping for a traffic light and not understanding highway traffic signs and signals in English. The Colorado crash occurred April 25th. There again, we all know this, after it descends from the mountain onto Denver area, um, investigators alleged that the truck had passed a sign alerting drivers about a ramp for runaway vehicles 2,000 feet ahead that enables vehicles to safely stop. They say the truck had free and unobstructed path to the ramp off the side of the highway, but instead swerved away from it. Aguilera remains in custody that at the time of this writing of this article for vehicular homicide. You know, he had no, they're charging him with reckless endangerment of life. So he, or I'm sorry, my, my bad, let me, I stand corrected. Reckless disregard for human life. My bad, not endangerment. Reckless disregard. And one last story. Um, the trucking company again that was involved only carried $750,000 of life uh, liability insurance. Um, for any type of accident. You know, I have to carry uh, car insurance. Well, on semis, you have to carry this kind of insurance. And um, they're saying that it was only liable. That's how, um, how can I say this? The FMCSA federal only requires them to carry that amount. So this Castellano 03 trucking out of Texas carried the minimal amount of coverage of insurance uh, that the federal um, government mandated. So it's sad that because federal regulations, there's not enough money to ever make anybody whole. Sloan and his firm have sued trucking companies before and said smaller companies like this Castellano O3 trucking tend to carry only the minimum amount of coverage required. Um, he says, I think a company that had a great deal of assets would have taken out a great deal more of insurance. As a matter of fact, my firm has dealt with trucking companies with upwards of $20 million of insurance. Well, of course, that's what they go after. Let's see how much insurance you got. Who suspects Castelletto will probably declare bankruptcy? That's his opinion. This is Mr. Sloan. That's a, um, a big rig truck attorney says that they'll probably declare bankruptcy and let the court sort it out who gets what. He says everybody that was hurt and the families of those that were killed are going to have to fight amongst each other to find, try to find the money. Kathy Politano won't be among them even though her husband Stan was killed in the fiery crash. Several people, she quotes, several people have said, do you think you should call an attorney? She said, no, there's no purpose. It won't do any good. It won't bring them back, end quote. Trucking companies who haul oil have to carry a million dollars in liability insurance. And if they haul hazardous chemicals, the figure is five million. Aguilera was hauling lumber to San Antonio when he crashed his rig, you know, the other Thursday. So FMCSA in 2014 proposed a rule change to increase mandatory minimums for insurance liability for truck companies. One recommendation was to change the 750000 minimum to $10 million. But in 2017, um, let's see, who was, who was in then? The FMCSA backed off and decided to kill its own attempt to change the rules. Hmm, wonder why. Who was lobbying the FMCSA then? Maybe 
American Trucking Association. In its withdrawal notice dated June 5th, 2017, the agency wrote, FMCSA is not able to calculate economic benefits from having more financial resources available to assist crash victims associated with increased minimal financial responsibility limits. Are you freaking kidding me? No economic benefit? Now four people are dead and their families can't even collect from the company. They have no recourse, especially if the company files bankruptcy and they didn't see an economic benefit. OMG is all I got to say. At the end of the article, as a result, the minimum insurance requirements haven't changed since 1980. So now for my opinion piece. I'm sure y'all would love to hear that, but... This week, my opinion piece is going to be that no matter how old you are, you're always going to learn something new out here. And there again, it's it, the older drivers can agree with me on this, that if you quit learning something every day, youngsters out here that have been driving less than five years, you might as well go ahead and just hang it up. You know, dig yourself a six foot hole in the ground, 10 feet long, and just hang it up. Because I, after 30 years of being out here, I learned something new. And what I learned as I was picking up a load, I took a load of pet food out to Reno last week and delivered last week Wednesday. And then stayed over until Friday morning to pick up a load of used batteries. Now, because I come to find out later on that they're under a different kind of classification. These are not lead batteries like you use in cars. These are the di-ion um, lithium batteries that are used in electric cars. I picked up out a Tesla battery plant out in Sparks, Nevada. And they classified it as a class nine. Now I have my hazmat endorsement on my license. And I have never dealt with a class nine hazardous situation before. So I've dealt with not really even explosives. I mainly dealt with flammables, corrosives, something uh, that if you pollute the, that will harm the fish in the water, the aquatic wildlife and stuff, those kind of things. I've never really done explosives or anything really bad, mainly batteries. Um, I've done coffee creamer. That's flammable if nobody knew that. Uh, so I've never really dealt with a class nine. Well, I actually had to look it up because class nine is miscellaneous hazardous materials that cannot be classified or put under the classifications from one to eight hazardous class. So in other words, Clorox bleach, these ion rechargeable batteries, um, a bunch of other stuff, household cleaners and such are, I come to find out are class nine. You don't need to have the load placarded like you would a regular has hazardous load. You don't have to have a hazardous license. And the company you're driving for doesn't have to have hazard authority. Now, if just to let everybody know that you can't automatically classify it as Class 9. It has to be, you know, not fit under any other category. And the fine... If you don't have a hazmat endorsement and you are caught hauling hazardous materials to the driver 
is $250,000 fine. This is off the FMCSA website under hazardous materials and licensing. If the company you're working for does not have what's called hazardous authority, you get your USDOT number, that's an authority. You have to have a separate hazardous authority, not a separate number, but it's a separate classification you can have. That is a $500,000 fine if your company does not have that authority to haul hazmat and they're busted doing it. So it's a huge fine. I don't know about you, but I really don't have $250,000 in my back pocket to really throw away. And I really don't think my boss man really has $500,000 that he really wants to throw away. That's a lot of brand new trucks and trailers, you know, and loads and people's salaries. I mean, the list goes on and on and on along with my payroll, you know. So it's just, don't do it. You know, always check your bill of ladings, check if it's marked, see if they give you, make sure they give you the placards if you don't have any. Sometimes when I was running a lot of hazmat, I would stockpile my placards. Um, I wouldn't stick them on the side of the trailer. They had slip-in holders. And then I actually got plexiglass, pieces of real thin plexiglass that were the same size as the placard and put it in, it slid it in in front of the placard and that would keep it from blowing out. So that was a little trick that I learned from another driver. So you can never learn too much out here. It is really kind of cool. So I wanted to share that little bit of uh, op-ed this week on this show to teach the newbies out here what I learned. And you're never too old to learn something new. Also, I want to thank everybody for um, listening to the show. I greatly, greatly appreciate all of you who tune in every week to listen to me babble here on the cafe. If you are new to the cafe and you would like to check us out someplace else, like iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, at the bottom of every episode. And sometimes if you, you're listening to an episode on my website and you don't really see the, the detailed description, just click on the link. And because I have them in a list where it just lists the title and maybe the picture and the audio player. So you just click on the title and it'll pop up and you'll see the description. Excuse me. Just go to my website at juliastruckacafe.com. And in that description, you're going to find the links to, like I said, iHeartRadio, YouTube, iTunes, Spreaker, Spotify, um, TuneIn, how to do, uh, get, get me on Android uh, or Alexa. Um, I'm even went ahead and uh, I'm on, I, excuse me, I applied to um, Pandora to see if they would accept my little podcast on Pandora. So as soon as I know, you'll all know. Um, also, you can like us on Facebook. And don't forget to join our discussion group at Julia's Truck and Cafe Regulars. It's great for the new newbies that have any kind of questions. A safe place to talk, uh, talk about trucking. Any kind of question you can ask. There is never a stupid question in the Julia's Truck and Cafe Regulars. I also share recipes on the website. Under Cafe Menu, Cooking in Your Truck. And I try to do videos and don't forget to look at our page of stupid <laughs> that drivers do 
I would ask very humbly that you please subscribe to our email list and I will send you the show notes that I talked about earlier in this program right to your inbox. This way you don't got to keep coming back to the website and try to look for them, uh, which I'm glad that you come back, but you know, it's a whole lot easier for you to do that. Sorry about that. There again, there's emergency alert. And if you're on my email list, you'll have priority in getting the new things that are in the works. Before I forget, please feel free to leave a comment on the bottom of any episode that you listen to. I read each and every one. If you have an idea for an upcoming show, hey, if you want to hear me talk about something, please feel free. I accept any sort of suggestions. Please email me. And my email is info at juliastruckincafe.com. Again, that's info at juliastruckincafe.com. And looking out my windshield, I have a heck of a thunderstorm. I'm hoping it doesn't turn into a tornado because it is getting quite hot outside. So until next time... Please keep the shiny side up. Please don't try to be tornado chasers out there. Use your headlights while you're using your windshield wipers. And please use your turn signals. That's that little black lever underneath your steering wheel on the left side of your steering wheel. Please use that because we are not mind readers. So until next week. Yeah, we got a little old convoy. Ain't she a beautiful sign?